Welcome to Cryptobiography. This is episode 330 of Cryptobiography, and it is part 8 of Tomorrow. And here we go. The bow was now fully out of the water and still rising. Betty could imagine the boat potentially coming right over or to the side and crushing her. She needed to get in the water and well away. She didn't wait any longer, though part of her very much wanted to wait for Joan. But she didn't know where her friend was. She clambered over the railing made sure her heels had good purchase, and jumped out as far as she could. She remembered just in time to bring her legs back together and straighten them. Even though, even so, she had been quite a ways above the water, and it hit her hard. She came up sputtering. The life jacket was saving her. She started paddling as well as she could in her winter clothes and the bulky life jacket away from the sinking ship. It was easier to paddle backward with the extra buoyancy in front of her, so she put her back towards the shore. This meant the ship was to her side. She looked all around, hoping to spot Joan either still on board or in the water. But the ones in the water had almost no light on them, and the ones on the railing were backlit, and that only weakly. Joan! Make for shore! Towards me! she yelled as she kept paddling backward. She noticed that she was also being pulled sideways fairly hard. The tides were sweeping through the sound. She would just have to keep going. The water hurt, and is quickly making her numb. She forced her legs and her arms to keep pumping. She was ahead of everyone else, so she decided to keep trying to help. Joan, everyone, come this way. Just paddle straight towards the land. She had barely cleared the great bow of the ferry, rearing up like a wild horse. A spear flew down from somewhere near the tip of the bow and splashed only a foot from her. They may have done it out of spite or to keep her quiet. But she knew that each mainlander had only one spear, so she kept yelling. Now that she was past the ship, the water was moving sideways even faster. She kept kicking and yelling encouragement. She could see there were a number of women in the water, but despite her help, only some of them were paddling in her direction. Out of shock from the cold or panic or something else, many were going in the wrong direction. She wasn't sure if any men were in the water but that didn't matter. No one was all that close to her, and so she was safe. She was also far enough away from the ship now that she was sure any further spears would miss her, and none were thrown in any event. Her teeth were chattering, and it was hard to keep talking. Eventually, she found that she couldn't shout anymore. She was far enough from anyone else that it wouldn't make any difference. She grit her teeth to stop them from chattering and kept paddling as hard as she could though even that was getting less and less. She was starting to fear that she would go unconscious and die from the cold despite her exertions. But then she heard a noise. It was the surf behind her. She was getting close. She kept kicking, and soon the rather mild surf of the sound was starting to bob her up and down far more than it had open, out in the open waters. She could barely move her arms, and her legs were kicking only sporadically. The waves were not high but the surf was getting loud. She must be close. The sky was starting to brighten. Soon the sun might rise. The stars were out, so the sky was clear, 
maybe if she could get out of the water, the sun would warm her enough to keep her alive. She kept kicking as well as she could. Soon she was being tossed in the surf. Then she felt sand against her back. She turned over and crawled on her belly, desperate to get out of the water, where she might be able to get warm. But the air was also cold, and it was so hard to continue. She was still in a few inches of water when she fell unconscious. She might have died, but she did not. She woke up in a bed. Her clothes and the life jacket were clean and placed nicely on a simple chair nearby. The clothes were folded. She had on a simple shift. She didn't know where it came from. Hello? She called out. She felt weak, but not so weak that she couldn't stand. She sat up and pulled her feet off the edge of the bed. Hello? Someone called back. Are you up? She heard steps, and a woman poked her head into the room. The room was very small, and other than the bed and the chair, there was only a small, rather damaged dresser. A woman, sandy blonde and rather painfully thin, poked her head in cautiously as though she might catch her in the act of changing. How are you feeling? Not too bad, Betty said. Thank you for getting me out of the water. Of course, the woman said. I have some stew brewing. Would you like me to bring some, or would you like to try sitting at a table? I'll try to get up, Betty said. Looks like you cleaned my clothes. Thanks. My pleasure, the woman said. I'm Betty, she said. She wasn't sure why she didn't give her last name, but she didn't. Prudence, the woman said. Betty nodded. She had read about old religious people having names like that. This was a mainlander. She was probably religious. The name still sounded odd in her ears. Prudence left, and Betty got changed into her clothes, leaving the life jacket on the chair. She held her coat, not putting it on, but not willing to leave it behind. She went out into the next room, which opened directly onto a small room that seemed to be the main room of the house. The kitchen was mostly against one wall, and there was a small dining table. Prudence had put a wooden bowl on the table. It looked handmade, and it was stew, though what kind Betty couldn't say. Fish stew, Prudence said. My husband fishes. Thanks, Betty said. She took a spoon, which was also apparently hand-carved, and ate. She was wildly hungry and thirsty, too. Prudence brought over a glass of water. Betty thanked her for that as well. You don't say grace? Prudence asked. Betty wasn't sure what that was. She shrugged. It's when we thank God for the food, Prudence said. Your husband didn't catch the fish? Betty asked, a little confused. He did, with God's help. Betty didn't know what to say to that. Prudence took her silence as consent and started grace, though she wasn't eating. Lord, thank you for this food, to the nourishment of our bodies, and for all your other blessings. Amen. Betty was still looking at Prudence, not knowing what to say or do. You can eat now, Prudence said. Thanks, Betty said. Betty was used to having hot peppers and onions and salt and sometimes other things to flavor stews. She'd had fish stew before, but this was remarkably bland. She wondered if there was anything at all in it other than fish and water. Perhaps a bit of potato starch? But hunger made the best sauce, and it tasted good to her in that moment. 
And that's the end of the episode this time. I'm obviously enjoying writing it. In fact, I wrote a little bit further, um, but there wasn't a really good stopping point. So I decided to make this the stopping point and we will uh, continue on with, you know, what I have written and then will write this next week uh, in the next episode. So thank you for coming. And if you have any comments or questions about this episode or previous episodes, cryptobiography at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Mastodon. And thanks for listening. Words and Music Copyright 2023, Brandon Starr, All Rights Reserved. Characters and events are fictional, fictionalized, or satirical. <laughs>